Hello and welcome to the Just In Stride podcast. I'm your host, Justin Pugliese. If you love endurance sports, you've definitely come to the right place. On this show, we'll talk to athletes, coaches, and professionals who can help us reach our true potential. Being a student of distance running for over 10 years and interviewing people in the sport for the last five, I've learned a ton, but there's always more to discover. Everyone has a story, and I know you'll resonate with each of our guests as we embark on this new journey together. Join us at home, on the road, or while you run. Together, we'll have some fun. So follow along on Instagram at JustinStridePod and your favorite podcast platform and prepare to be inspired. Come along for the ride with Just In Stride. This episode is presented by our friends at Exact Nutrition, a tasty and healthy way for you to fuel your body before, during, and after a solid training session. I can't leave the house without a few fruit bars in my pocket and they never make it back home. Exact is offering you 15% off your order when you use the code JUSTINSTRIDE. So head to exactnutrition.com and fuel your goals today. Every so often you come across someone who's a shining light, who can brighten up your day, who can make you laugh and who has the ability to change the lives of the people around them for the better. Today on Justin Stride, I introduce you to queer entrepreneur, gym owner, and strength and conditioning coach, Heidi Rubin, aka Captain Fun. Being an athlete and adventure seeker has always been part of life for Heidi. Less so on the competitive side, but more about how moving the body can generate a positive impact. Whether it's strength training, roller derby, or now running, Heidi has always found a way to do just that. Through the Infinity Movement Studio, Heidi has been able to create a brave space for marginalized people in the community, welcoming them with open arms, providing them with the same access, opportunity, and love as the rest of the world. Heidi, welcome to the Justin Stride Podcast. Justin, welcome to the Heidi Show. (laughs) (laughs) Captain Fun. Where did Captain Fun come from? Oh, um, where did Captain? I mean, where did... This is like a long story. It's 44 <laughs> years long. Um, Captain Fun, I think that I've always had this uh, this drive to, like I've been more more motivated by fun and emotion over just about everything else in my life. You know, some people are very like financially driven or they're uh, competitively driven. and And for me, enjoying the body and the life and the community that I'm in um, and having fun has always been something that I've sought out. So that makes sense. So I guess I try to make fun around me. um, And that is how Captain Fun was made. (laughs) Short, short story there. Yeah. (laughs) And how are you doing like recently? Like how are things going for you? Things are doing actually, I mean, you and I have known each other for a little bit of time and you know a little bit of my story that we may or may not get into, but um, I'm doing well. And I'm happy to say that after a lot of years of growth and learning on many levels, I'm the healthiest I've been and uh, and it feels really peaceful. So there's a lot of big stuff happening in my life right now. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful because the state of my mental health and my physical health states that I can withstand and endure 
pretty much anything that's coming my way. So it's it's pretty cool. I, I didn't know I was going to get to this point in my life, and and then and I'm here now. So it's it's nice. It's a journey, right? Like life prepares you for what's coming next, and you gotta gotta roll with the punches and learn and grow and you know that's that's part of why you got here like you're saying and and why you are where you're at i think you know i mean it's 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 nice to hear that from you you're you're someone who i you know look up to and admire in many ways and um where we might differ we also um intersect in terms of being able to hold on and endure and work through some really sticky stuff and uh you're right. Life prepares you for life, <laughs> and whatever whatever you're going through, it's not going to be the last thing. So, <laughs> hold on and learn, and try to enjoy it. Yeah, and I want to have you on because you're you know you have your, your entrepreneur. You had you have your own gym now. Your strength and conditioning coach. You know, it's there's there's so much uh, you're offering to the community in that way. Like, can you maybe take us back to the beginning? I want to get to know you and and let our listeners get to know you as well. And, you know, who are you growing up and, you know, when did you start getting active? Um, were you active as a kid starting, like starting out? Yeah. I mean, I, one of the coolest things about my life, like there's a lot of cool things. Um, as I was born into a family that owned a ski school, um, and so I have an older brother. He's a few years older than me and he's, uh, an incredible athlete, one of the most talented natural athletes I've, I've ever known. Um, and I idolize him. I still do. And, uh, and I always have. And so having him as someone that I wanted to grow up and be like, um, it was always fun to try to chase him around because he was always faster and better than me um, until in some points I was faster and better than him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he'll give me credit for that, but it's not everywhere. The few places that I've been able to like <laughs> take the lead are few and far between, but I will take them. Um, so yeah, I was born and raised in the ski industry. So it was in my first year, I, I turned one in August. And then that winter they put me on skis because they had stuff to do in the winter and run the ski school. And the kid didn't have time to, to wait. We had to go. We had stuff to do. We were busy. Um, and so I started skiing when I was really small. Um, and it wasn't a competitive school. It was really going through the lessons of ski school. So learning all the different levels. And one thing that was one of my greatest gifts and has turned into um, a, a beautiful asset is I, I was exposed to really high-level coaching all of my life. So at the beginning of ski school every year, um, my parents would be hiring very high level coaches, uh, level three, level four ski instructor Alliance, um, certified coaches, and they would give all of the instructors, um, our yearly seminars and workshops. And so I would stand with them, listening to them, coach, detect and correct, provide cues to help folks feel better, stronger, more efficient in their bodies. So they can, um, so they could, I mean, have more fun. And that's always what it was about was how can I watch someone move, see if there was something that was happening that was a little bit less efficient, um, that was maybe causing a faulty habit or pain, um, learning how to detect it, correct it, 
coach and cue so that they could be a stronger, safer, more efficient version of themselves. And, um, and it never came with competition. It was always just about the joy of movement. And so learning how to ski made it so that I was able to go very, very fast and really enjoy speed and nature and being in groups. Um, and then learning how to teach was very gratifying because I could help people supporting people towards being a, a stronger version of themselves, if that's something that they wanted. Um, so I did that for all of my life. Um, I also had the privilege of going to a summer camp from the time that I was seven years old. I went for one month when I was seven in the summer, um, sleep away. And then for two months when I was eight, all the way up until I was uh, 14. And then I was a counselor in training. And then I was a staff member, was there for a few years. So sports were always my thing um, above everything else except for arts and, and um, you know, painting, sculpting, drawing. Uh, then I went into hair and makeup. Um, so those were some other really creative um, paths that I took, a little bit of performance art as well. Um, but all of it was very much attached to working with humans. Um, how can I connect with people? And again, with this I guess, um, instinct to want to support people to being a better version of themselves. Um, that also links very nicely with, uh, an, an attachment or an anxious attachment style and, um, some really strong holds on people pleasing. So what is my superhero also happens to be my kryptonite. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been like an interesting balance as I've learned to grow and heal with some of these, um, some of these strengths that also can be quite harmful because we're not just talking about sport. We're also talking about like spiritual, psychological, emotional health. Cause that's where I got to where I got, um, is that the things that helped drive me to want to be there for folks also made it so that I would do whatever I could to try to make sure that people around me felt really good and liked me all the time, which was also a detriment to my own well-being throughout many many years as well mm-hmm. so there's like a, an interesting balance and with the ups there were some downs and with the downs there was a lot of ups um and um yeah so with a very wide range of casual sports i i went towards one competitive sport in my life and that was roller derby um yeah and roller derby was a wild ride where it was very much community driven. I was part of the Montreal league when we started it. Um, I didn't, I wasn't the one that started it, but I was part of the second team that came together and we built this league up and Montreal got on the map for being like (laughs) the league. That was a lot of fun. Um, (laughs) And I can't say that I was the ringleader leader, but I was one of them. Um, My role was um, the party planner. (laughs) Um, and also I, I was a pretty strong asset on the teams as well. Um, I loved it and it was less again about competition. Although looking back, I I was pretty cocky. Uh, I, I liked the, the feeling of, of being a winner. Uh, but then I also felt very, very badly that there happened to be someone that lost. And so that was always a interesting thing with competition that didn't sit super well with me. Um, 
So I wanted everyone to have a good time. I wanted everyone to be safe in this really like competitive, dangerous, full contact, so fast sport. Um, what, can I just get what draws people to roller derby? What what's the like? Yeah. When did you know? <laughs> um, roller derby is such a cool sport, man. It's like so where cool. do you get the exposure to it? Like I just you know running, you just like oh you see someone doing it, <laughs> you don't really fall into yeah. someone or see someone just doing roller derby. I mean, I was dating a girl at the time who told me that. One of her friends that she met was starting this roller derby league. And I was like, I don't even know what roller derby is. And she's like, yeah, you do. It was in like the 70s and it's around a track and there's a lot of hitting. And I was like, wait a minute, roller (laughs) skates, you're going around a track. And then I started looking more at it. And I was remembering that I used to watch this as a kid and I loved WWE wrestling, um, WWF. Like if I could have been a stunt person, I would have... I, I have done stunts. Like I love that stuff. Um, but then I was also told that like, it's a women's league. Um, and I was like, that's really cool. You know, most of the sports that I've done have been really like male leading male facing. Um, and there wasn't a lot of sports that centered women. Um, and so I thought that was really cool. And so I went to their, their fundraiser night and it was a bunch of badass rocker people rocker for most part women at that point like a bunch of tattoos different shape size bodies um that were starting this league and they were like yo you want to come and skate and i was like yo yeah they didn't say yo i say yo they were like super (laughs) cool and i was that was weird um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but they were wearing like skirts and fishnets and it's like this is cool i'm like i can i can wrap around this and it also had like a bit of a feel of the rocky Horror picture show which i had already been doing for like a decade and i was like wow there's some kind of really cool mix here of like underground um like off the beaten path and and that happens to just be who i am <laughs> i mean i try really hard to be part of the norm and it never feels right. And then I find something that's really different. I'm like, ah, this is the one. Um, <laughs> so I went and I tried it out and uh, I already had the ability to skate. Um, I was already very athletic. So I pick up roller skating really quickly. And then I started to understand the logistics of the sport and the strategy of the sport. And I was, I was sold, like instantly mm-hmm. sold. Can you um, explain it to us in a nutshell for people that don't? know at all what roller derby is sure um it's a short track so if you could imagine a hockey rink cut it in two and the track could fit on one of those halves um it's about five feet uh, no sorry about six or seven feet wide i should know the dimensions i can't remember i have an old brain um and you there's like the length and then there's the corner so it's a big oval and there's two teams that are on the track. You've got one person on each team that is the jammer. That person is the only person that could score points, and they are indicated by wearing a helmet cover that has stars on both sides. So let's say, for example, you're on Team Justin. I'm on Team Heidi. You've got stars on your head. I've got stars on my head. We're the point scorers. You've got four of your players that are up ahead, and I've got four of my players that are up ahead. Your players are playing defensively to try to stop me from passing while they're playing offensively to try to create paths for you to pass. 
Mm-hmm. And my team is doing the same thing. So it's offensive and defensive that's happening quite simultaneously. And then your my job is to bust through packs of people and then try to get out of the pack, lap them, and then start coming around for what's called your first scoring pass where you can start to score points. And you have up to two minutes to score as many points as possible unless one of you becomes the lead jammer, which means you legally get out of the pack on that first initial pass. And you can call the jam or that that um, that round off before two minutes if it is in your favor. Now, hitting zones have to be legal. You can't hit above the shoulders. You can't hit below the knees. It's between your mid-thigh to your shoulders. The front of your body is a target. The side of your arm, the your lats, the hips, but nothing from behind. You cannot push with your hands. You cannot elbow. You cannot trip. You have to fall small. Um, there's a ton of different rules, mm-hmm. but the um, that's that's basically it. You you get you gain points by passing opponents, um, and you stop people from passing you by using your body. Hmm. Interesting. Very, it's amazing. Very cool. Yeah. And yeah. You, you don't do this anymore. No, no. It's outside. quite. It's exhausting, <laughs> and I'm. I just turned forty four. Um, <laughs> And that doesn't mean that there aren't 44-year-olds or older that don't play. They do. Uh, my my work is very physical, so I'm moving all the time. I also have an accumulated amount of injuries in my body that I don't have the luxury of having like a whoops. Um, also, owning and operating a business means that I have very little free time. And being part of a roller derby league means that you do a lot of volunteer work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd have to travel. And it's also a very dangerous sport, so that means... I would only want to be playing on a high-level team with really talented skaters. I wouldn't want to be playing on a league with people that don't know how to skate. So Good point, yeah. Yeah, because it's too dangerous and yeah. I, I can't get hurt. I had a cyclist on. He was saying kind of the same thing, you know, when you see like rookies around. It's just like the handling of the bikes and stuff can be quite dangerous for these more like high-end professional uh, cyclists um, for injury for you know bikes are expensive you know yeah your bodies are worth something too to a certain mm-hmm. extent absolutely um, how have you noticed yeah. you have to take how you have to care for your body differently now that you're older than you were very good question um, very differently I mean I started to notice it I guess in the pandemic you know the pandemic did a lot of things to a lot of different people and for me a lot of injuries started to come up. Um, I have to really practice mindfulness and acceptance. My body does not do the same things that it used to. And I mean, it's strong. It's flexible in some areas. It's really stiff in others. Um, So I have to remember that any given day could be different. um, And that if I push when I shouldn't, it won't be nice. It won't be good. And it won't just be good. It, It won't be bad just for me. It'll be bad for my business and the people that I work with and the work, people that I'm serving. Um, and then that leads to a pretty miserable Heidi. And that's not fun. And mm-hmm. if my motto and my brand is fun, then I got to stay on point. So um, it means that, you know, I don't do nearly as much impact. Uh, the weights that I lift, it's not as heavy. Um, when I feel discomfort, I have to stop. I mean, like, not discomfort. Like, I could push through discomfort. But when I feel pain, I can't push through it because then 
I'll be out for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to make sure that my nutrition is on point because my body needs the proper fuel to recover. I have to sleep. Um, and I mean, I think that this is something that we often don't, don't focus on. Maybe I'm wrong, but the energy of the people that I keep close to me is very, very important because it, um, can dictate how much energy I put into myself. So yeah, um, the type of movements, my recovery, um, caring for myself and for the people around me, all of that plays a huge role in the movement that I'm doing now. And truly, I like, I'm not really here to compete anymore. Um, for me, I'm really excited to push my body in all kinds of really hard ways but it's more for the experience um, so that I could also share the experience and so I could coach it. It's also to show other people from my community that they could take up space in worlds that may otherwise not have been available to them. So I have a different view of movement now mm-hmm. um, and taking up space in like the sports world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it t- yeah. changes over time. You know, I'm realizing that too. You just, you wake up and you're not 25 anymore. Where you- <laughs> no. You just rebound and just wake up and do this the thing all over again. It's uh, yeah. It's, uh, the body reminds you. It it's, it gets a bit crankier as you age. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, you're still doing big runs. You're still, you know, a, a superstar. Um, but I could imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong. You know, there's like recovery time is more and more important and being aware of those injuries and spending the time taking a step back to rebuild and regain, um, work on the things that not a lot of people like to work on, which is like balance, stability, mobility, as opposed to going for the, you know, is that something that you focus on too? Yeah. I I mean, I just, I, I was just like, well, this is, I can't get rid of this. This is my hips bothering me all the time, not stopping me from running, but I can't, go and do a workout without feeling it. And it's like really annoying. It's just like yeah. not, not what you're used to, yeah. you know? Um, and so like, yeah, I just naturally just dropped volume and I was kind of just running every second day to try to mm-hmm. give it a rest. But now I've implemented some strength um, that I can do at home. And pff, just that, just like a little 15 minute routine made such a big difference. Yeah. And don't feel the hip anymore. My ankle's fine. And I can, I've just been ramping up again. And, but you got to do it. It's, it's like not a non negotiable. You can't get away with it, you know? So, no, I mean, every so often we are like reminded how shitty Instagram can be. Is it bad that I'm swearing? I'm sorry. No, it's not bad. Okay. Great. <laughs> um, fuck, fuck, fuck. Um, so <laughs> let's get that out of the way. Um, every so often we're reminded how terrible Instagram could be. And there's someone that's like, my body is blah, blah, blah. And I have no pain. And yeah. And they're trying to sell something. And it makes me want to jump through the screen and just be like, how can you lie like that? Um, because there's no way you get to a certain point in your life. If you're an athlete and you don't have pain, like our bodies begin to disintegrate the moment we stop getting taller. Um, and even before, and that's really important to remember that like we aren't meant to preserve ourselves, <laughs> you know, like we have to be very 
um, accepting of the limitations that our bodies have, and we all have them, you know, and if we, if we fight it too hard, then disappointment can be one of the things that's the most destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there's acceptance and you push the right way and you add stress the right way, I mean, the sky's the limit. Right. Coming from a true yeah. coach. Sounds like a true coach right there. I mean, true coach, but also someone who's recovered from a lot of physical, spiritual, and emotional pain. Mm-hmm. So sky's the limit, but you got to know, you got to know your limit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and how did you know that, that you wanted to be a teacher, that you wanted to be someone that, you know, supported others and go down that, that kind of career path? Was there a moment for you? Was there some, some clarity? Was it just like, I, I like people, I like to teach and that's what I want to do. How did you get to that point? Mm, There isn't, that's a good question. And there, there were so many factors that were like pushing me and like nudging me into this direction. And part of it is like, that was what I was, it feels like that's what I was born to do. I, I was born into what is like the legacy of my parents' ski school. Um, I I love the way it makes me feel when somebody that I'm working with has like one of those one of those moments where they can see how much stronger they've gotten or how much less pain they're living in, or they could do something that they never thought that they would be able to do. Um, that that's like magic to me. So if I could feel magic every day, I choose magic. Um, and I've tried a number of other things. Uh, you know, I, I studied in art and I couldn't imagine sitting at a drafting table or at a computer hours and hours day after day. It hurt my, my soul. Um, and I really did love working in hair and makeup though. That was, that was different. Um, in the way that I, but I, it wasn't that I was teaching people, but what I was able to do was still help folks feel really good about something. Um, they would leave my chair feeling better than they did coming into it. And that, I, I know that I was did. great. I know. I yeah. Did. Hey, thanks. <laughs> thanks, man. Damn good hairdresser. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I did a lot of serving jobs, uh, bartending, catering. Um, and and everything just kind of pointed back to this um that this was my access to working with people in a way that helped me feel like i had uh not just like a purpose but that i could have fun in my life like i could really enjoy i could feel like i'm playing every day um and for me again, like I said, it's 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 not it's not just like a catchphrase. It's um, it I guess because the first part of my life had like a a lot of a lot of fear, a lot of hardship. Uh, you know, I, I had a great upbringing, but I was a little queer kid in a time where you really couldn't be a little queer kid. So there was a lot of challenges that came with that. So you know, finding a space where I can do what it is that I want to do. Just coach, um, 
I mean, my days feel great. Even, even when it's really long and really tiring, I still think back about the people that I was able to work with and what it is we were able to accomplish. And it doesn't matter how hard it was. I, I feel like I'm in the right place and I'm doing the right thing. Um, it's a really big answer. Like there's more to it no, and I could course. go on probably for an hour and you'll get bored. No, never. Not <laughs> with you, Heidi. Um, yeah. And you, you just like touched on something like as you're, you know, growing up as a, as a queer kid at a time when it wasn't maybe as accepted. Um, how have you seen that, that change today? Like there's been, some progress there for sure. Um, you know, how did, how did you get through that? And like, how has it, you know, evolved? Um, okay. That was a big one. Um, well, growing up, I, okay. The truth is I didn't see a lot of queer people growing up because, you know, I was born the end of the seventies. Um, and the eighties and nineties proved that if you were queer, you weren't worth anything. Um, so much to the point that the government stopped and actually like refused to help anyone living with AIDS and they called it like the gay disease. And so that being said, no one wanted to be the thing that the world was blaming for AIDS. Um, a lot of people didn't make it so that I didn't have any visual representation. So the generation before me is empty um, because they didn't, they didn't survive. Um, So when I finally did come out, when I realized that that was actually an option in my life, um, a, I was terrified because of the constant um, reinforcement that if I was gay, that it was not going to be all right. Um, <clears throat> so it took me a long time to come out. And when I did, when I was 21, like I, I realized I was gay when I was about 19 or so. And then 21, I came out and it was as to be expected, not great. Um, because of the fear of like p- people want to protect me and, um, they wanted to do whatever they could to try to make sure that I wasn't gay. Um, and so I had to go back into the closet. It, it, it was shitty. Um, and because of that, because of the constant reinforcement that who I was was humiliating and shameful, um, I lived with a lot of humiliation and shame and pain. And that led to a lot of trying to have fun to try to block all that stuff out. Um, and that led to, um, you know, like partying and substances and bit by bit, what happens when one abandons oneself, you get so far from yourself that you don't know what you need or want anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was my story. I, I was so far removed from my authentic self that I couldn't hear my own voice. And I listened to a lot of other people and I did a lot of things that didn't feel right, but I didn't want to be abandoned. Um, and then I went towards um, substance abuse and I fell into some addiction and that took me over for a long time. Um, And then, you know, after years of really hard work, like no one's going to save you truthfully, like you could have a support system around you, but um, the shitty thing and the amazing thing is that 
we are responsible for our own well-being. Um, and once we hit adulthood, um, we can't expect the world to wipe our own asses. We have to wipe our own asses for ourselves. So right. I had to figure that one out, like everybody else that's made it. Um, and so I did. And so that's good. So the story ends on a really high note. Um, and because of that story, I have a great deal of understanding and empathy for that for the people that are living, um, A, in addiction and struggling with that um, and going through recovery or not quite there yet. I also have a great amount of understanding and um, empathy for people living marginalized lives, meaning that they are, you know, not the norm and not centered and often excluded. Um, and so that's been great because it's helped me to open and establish the business that I have, which mm -hmm. from the outside looks like every other strength and conditioning studio, but is deeply founded in inclusivity, equity, and diversity. Um, but yeah, the world right now has definitely shifted in a way that I can survive in it. I can thrive in it. Um, and then in the same moment, um, we hear every single day about people from my community that are being murdered because of the bodies that they live in, because they make other people feel very, very uncomfortable. And so it's tough because we're visible now and like very much so which is good. And then we're visible now, very much so, which makes us a target. And there aren't enough people yet that want to save our lives um, in comparison to the amount of people that want to see our lives end. And so that is a reality that I'm very aware of. And I'm very aware of it because it is my reality. And there's a lot of folks out there that may not be as connected that would think, oh no, we've come a long way and it's way better. And like in some ways, yes. And in some ways, I mean, just, it's yeah. just not, <laughs> it's just not. It depends on where you are in the world, but in some places it's still illegal. You'll still be killed for it. No one will stop anyone from killing you for it. Um, and it's not that far, you know? <laughs> It's just yeah. a few blocks down, uh, down some states. Yeah, not um, good, good, not good enough. You know, not good enough, not yet. But you know, even though it's scary, and me making myself as big and as visible as possible is helping some kids in some places, somewhere in the world, know that they're not alone and that they could have a really excellent, successful, thriving life. It's also terrifying because. I've like painted a target on my forehead. Mm -hmm. Luckily I live in Montreal, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, well, what yeah. advice, what advice would you give to someone growing up in that way? You know, maybe not the same time, but you know, maybe looking back at a younger version of, of you, like, is there some advice you, you would give to yourself? I mean, there's a lot. And then in the same moment, I'd be like, it's still going to be fucking hard. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't be able to just say something and then let the little version of me do it on their own. They would need someone like me around to hold them um, and to protect them and to support them in the moments when the rest of the world is saying, don't do that. I mean, the best advice would have always been listen to what your body is telling you 
I mean, you're going to get scared and the world is scary. And yes, coming out is going to be terrifying, but don't not be gay. You are who you are. And so we're just going to have to figure this one out. That would have been, and that still is the greatest advice is not to take the things that you know that are true about you and try to change them because it makes people feel shitty. Mm -hmm. To know that sometimes being yourself and who you are is going to make some people feel shitty and we're just going to have to figure this one out. Yeah. As shitty as that, you know, is it's, yeah, it's a reality. And well, cause the other side of that is me convince everyone that it's fine. And yeah. if that was the case, you know, Trump wouldn't be so bad and right. be able to just convince him that it, everything is fine. Um, so we can't make we can't make this place safe. Um, it's too systemic. It's too big. Um, but what we can do is reinforce the notion that our youth are loved, that it won't help them to try to shift or change, to harness who they are now, and like find their people now is going to help them to grow up to be solid, healthy, brave individuals so that they could start to shift and change a world that has been affected by judgment and hatred. Mm -hmm. And that is a very idealistic version of life that I'd like to see. Um, and I still kind of have to hold on to, to living my life that way. But right. And, and I asked just, you that, I asked you that because it, it, it leads us to, you know, what you have today um, in terms of like happiness with, your coaching and then the space that you're creating where that is like, that's the world, you know, that's where people can go and feel like this is a safe place for people. You know, it's well, I mean, where they can just go and just be who they are, you know? Yeah. And I think that's like, it's so incredible what you've done. I mean, it's, it yeah. takes a lot of, you know, bravery to do, to do what you've done, you know, and, uh, and really open up to do the doors to really just anybody. Thanks, man. Yeah. And it, it isn't much different again. Like it's, there's a bunch of weights, <laughs> there's a turf, we've got a sled, there's a skier, there's some stuff to pull yourself up. There's some stuff to push yourself down. Like it's all just that, but yeah, the, the, the vocabulary that's used, and the curiosity about different people's experiences, understanding that there isn't one body shape that is fit and healthy, understanding that not everybody wants to come in to try to change their body. I mean, people just want to move for all kinds of really important reasons that have nothing to do with the things that a lot of studios have chosen to focus on as sales tactics because we sell things by breeding fear. So in a place like this, you know, we get to move guilt-free, shame-free, have some fun, connect with people and realize that strength and resilience is not just based on how big your bicep is or how tiny your waist is. It's, it's holistic. Um, and, you know, yoga studios and Pilates studios, different kinds of movement studios have had an easier time to shift into that, mentality because it's more of like the yin side of movement 
But when it comes to the yang side of movement, that's like strong, bro, lift. I mean, it's really hard for that shift to have happened because we didn't have any people like me in there as leaders because it was too scary, Mm -hmm. you know? So if there aren't any of us in there, there's no reason for things to shift or change. So the fact that we're creating spaces now where people can come in, it means that they're going to learn how to use their bodies. They're going to go into other places. They're going to change policies. And it's going to just be better for everybody. That's the thing is that it's not supposed to be exclusive. Mm-hmm. Not at all. The things that we're doing aren't better just for folks in the queer community or just marginalized communities. It's, it's better for everyone. That's 100%. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you and you haven't been an entrepreneur for that long. You 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 kind of built your experience over the years. So... What was that experience like coaching other places and and what did you learn from those experiences to bring to your your new space? Um I mean I've been coaching for so long and what I understood was that you know a squat is supposed to look this way, a lunge is supposed to look this way, a push up is supposed to look this way and this is what you look like when you are finally fit, you know? Um But there was a lot of um, really important lessons that I learned along the way. You know, I did learn how to listen to people and ask them what their needs were. Um, I learned, you know, a lot of different techniques, different methods, uh, different people that would come into gyms with um, different skills, whether it was like powerlifting or bodybuilding or different athletes in specific sports from like martial arts to running, um, to hockey, to roller derby, to football, like all these really cool movement practices. I learned from all of them over the last 30 years of coaching. Um, And I was able to take all of these really incredible skills that I learned. um, And when I was trying to make suggestions in these other spaces, that there was And I didn't necessarily know how to articulate it because of where I was at in my own growth. Um, Also, I didn't quite understand inclusivity and equity and diversity. I didn't know exactly what that even meant. Like those words weren't even really being used 10 years ago. (laughs) Um, But I just knew that something felt really icky. Um, And I never really felt like I belonged. But when I would say it, I was met with a great deal of apathy. Um, and when I decided in the pandemic to leave these spaces forever, um, you know, I started really promoting myself online and I started doing these classes online and the folks that were showing up, I mean, they looked very different than the people that I was coaching in these gyms. Um, and I related to them a lot more. Um, and they related to me a lot more and I started to understand that they felt like they had a place to move where they never felt that before. And that was really cool. And it wasn't just like the queer community or marginalized communities that were showing up, but it was very much including them. And I was like, wow, okay. There was something wrong with where I was before. And that was very much aligned with like, oh, there was something wrong with how I was presenting before meaning I was trying to show up as someone that I wasn't. 
mm-hmm. in all of these different spaces. You know, I was trying to be something that I wasn't. I was not a, I was not a fat loss coach. I never cared about that. I still don't care about that. Um, it's the thing that I care about the least. But they would always try to make me sell that because that's what everybody wanted. And so I was trying to do that and I sucked at it because I didn't care. All I wanted was to help you move better. <laughs> so anyhow, now folks are like showing up in droves <laughs> from all communities and everybody's together in there. And it's really, really magical it's it's very very cool and i'm super proud of it i'm also like excited that something that i wanted to do there's finally people that are showing up for it because in these other spaces i'd be like how about this and how about that and they're like yeah heidi no 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 i'm like yeah but it doesn't feel good they're like well that's a you problem you're very sensitive and very emotional maybe that's something you gotta like maybe don't be so intense mm-hmm. like ah, okay but now i'm like just as intense as i am i'm as bonkers as I was born to be, I'm as queer as they come and I don't have to change. And everybody that's in there is really comfortable around me and I'm really comfortable around them. And that is awesome. And we're over a year and a half into the life of this brand new business. And there's, you know, by the standards of capitalism, (laughs) this shouldn't be working, but it's actually proving to be a very viable business model and it is about scaling deep connecting with the people in the community helping to shift some really old like insidious patterns and then scaling up which means that hopefully once these folks find like the health that they're looking for and they're already there they're able to go out there and spread that and then we start to change policy and then people around start understanding that their businesses, all of them, can be more inclusive. They can be equitable and there can be diversity in there. And it will only enrich in the culture and the community that they have. It won't hurt it. It will only make it better. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool. It's amazing. It's, I mean, that, I that, to- that should be your... Uh... Sure. I don't know, on your website or something. Like it is. It is. It's all being updated as we speak. So um, so can you tell me like what the, you know, yes, I think it's working because of your, your passion, you know, your passion for movement, your passion for people, um, your drive to get away from what you've seen that doesn't work. Um, and that's what's kind of bringing people together. What what were the? It's I think it's always easier said than done when it comes to opening a business. Like, what were the challenges that you faced when trying to open? I mean, the challenges were there were many, and a lot of it had to do with my own sense of self worth and self esteem, like believing that something that I wanted was actually valuable because I was kind of taught all my life that what I wanted was not going to work out. So shift and change quick. Um, And if you don't do it quick, then the world's going to get ahead of you and you're never going to be okay. So um, a huge challenge was just having the bravery and courage to try to imagine for a second what it might be like to be in a space that actually feels aligned. Um, that was challenge number one. I couldn't even imagine it. 
Um, it was so far removed from any experience that I've ever had. Um, then it was trying to promote and market myself without being attached to somebody else's business model. Um, and then it was not burning out, continuing to push myself, knowing that no one else was going to do that for me, trying to figure out a way to resource myself so that when I would push myself so much, I wouldn't feel so resentful and like alone doing it. Um, that was really hard, like pushing and pushing and then Sometimes people don't show up and you're like, what am I doing this for? Like people don't even care anyways and no one's here for me and I'm doing this for everyone else. And that, that was really hard understanding that people were there. Um, and the hard thing was to find moments of rest and recovery so that I could feel full so that I could go out and do it again. Um, that that's taken, that still is something that I'm working on. Um, Another challenge to not burn out um, was finding a space, you know, like once the place, when, once the, the, the dream was like born and people were coming online and then the summertime came, we were allowed to finally be outside and then people were showing up in real life, you know, the summers here end and then we need a place to be in the winter because it's too cold. We're in Montreal. Um, and knowing that I couldn't bring all of these people into somebody else's space because that's why it wasn't working before. They didn't want to be in those spaces. So then comes in the challenge of finances and I don't have those, you know, like there's a lot of reasons why I didn't have enough money to invest in my own business. Um, and I mean, here I am not having the finances and somebody that really cared about me believed enough in me to be a silent um, investor said, listen, I see what you do and I trust you and here you go, kid, go do something with it. Um, so yeah, finances were a thing. Understanding the first thing about business, I had no idea. I found a really great landlord who honestly helped me so much. I couldn't have done what I did without him. Um, understanding what kind of like um, permits I needed. Um, even the people that helped um, um, put the equipment, like the people that I was buying the equipment from, they had a lot of experience with building spaces. There was a lot of support that I got from them, like a lot. Um, I was very fortunate there. Um, I mean, my partner that I was with at that time, who you know, Meg, she was a huge reason why I had the bravery and courage to make that shift, you know, to understand that I've been shape-shifting for all of my life to try to fit into these spaces with these people that didn't feel aligned. But she was proof that, you know, you didn't need to do that, that you could be your genuine, authentic self, and you will find your people and things will feel different. And it was a huge learning curve and a really big shift. Um, but that has eliminated a lot of the problems in my life. Um, and yeah, I mean, the challenges that, that, um, 
that continued were again endurance and like we know what that's like y'all run marathons you know you can start that thing and you could start your training and you could even start your race but you hit that wall and you're like where am I going to get this next kick from and like what are the things that are going to drive me where's my brain going like where 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 what am I thinking about right now if I'm if I'm thinking <laughs> like depending on what I'm thinking, I'm slowing down or I'm speeding up um, or I'm stopping altogether um, or I'm getting hurt. Um, so the challenges for me are really at this point, because I've started it, because I made that shift, because the foundation is like strongly set um, and it's working. <laughs> the challenges for me now are to continue to care for my energy, my body, my nutrition, my sleep, my mental health, and the energy of the people that I have close to me. It's the same thing as how do I care for my body? How do I care for my business? It all is the same thing to me because if there's something that's out and it's bound to be out, like if I don't care for all of these things, at some point, something is going to fucking break and it's inevitable, but I'm going to have to have all the other things in place because when that thing breaks, I need to know that this is running really, really well so that I can care for this thing. Mm-hmm. So, and so, and, and so people are, and people are showing up, right? Like you said, right. But yeah. what's the feedback? What, what are people telling you? Like, do people talk to you about like how it's impacting them? Like the thing that I can relate to is the podcast. It's not quite the same thing. Cause I don't see the people, but every once in a while, someone's going to say, shoot me a message or DM and say, man, that episode was so good. Or I love that guest or they say something and it just like touches me so much. I, I that's not what I, what I do it for. I know people are listening. I see the numbers. Yeah. But to hear it, to hear it coming way. out of someone's, yeah, it's nice that some people are listening, Yeah, but, and I appreciate it really from the bottom of my heart, but to hear it out of someone's mouth, it, it's it's a different kind of feedback that that really pushes me forward. Do you, do you kind of get that with the people come showing up to your gym? Yeah, I mean, when I think about it, when I let myself like stop and and absorb that, um, yeah, I mean, you know me, I'm an emotional guy. <laughs> I cry all the time. I'm just thinking about exactly what you're saying, and and I I become very emotional. Um, yeah, I'm really lucky that what I do has has like an instant impact in people's lives. Like they come in and science says you move, then your brain chemistry shifts and all of a sudden you don't know why, but you feel better. Um, so people could come in feeling a certain way and they leave feeling really good and they let me know. I mean, people let me know. Um, and like I said, even on like the very hard days when sometimes I'm wondering how the hell am I going to continue doing this because it happens, um, I I know exactly how I'm going to continue doing this it's because I don't want to do anything else. I, I love this and I love the people that I work with. And, and it's reciprocated, right? Like they say, I can't believe that this place exists and I'm so happy and I never found a place where I feel safe moving and I feel so strong. All of a sudden I could do a push-up and people are like flexing and like, grunting at themselves in the mirror where they never would have taken up space that way. And in the same breath, I mean, I wouldn't be able to keep the lights on if these people didn't trust me to come in. 
You know, like I am so grateful for their support and I'm so grateful for their energy and they take care of themselves so that they could come in. You know, they have to go and earn a living and it's hard so they could come in and afford to move. You know, it's not for free. I wish that I could make it for free. I, I really do because then everyone would be able to come. Um, and that's a goal. <laughs> um, but yeah, they work their asses off. They sometimes travel across the city just to come in. When there's a gym that's right next to them up in the plateau, they come all the way down to this place because because of what it is. And they're very much a part of it. You know, it's not just me. They create it. They come walking through the door. Their energy is left all over the place in there. So yeah, I'm moved every day because every day people come in and every day they share their gratitude with what a space like this has done for them in their lives and the people in their lives as well. Mm -hmm. So it's really sweet. It's really cool. That's awesome. I'm glad. Was, yeah. was choosing the name difficult? Oh, I'm like trying to remember what that process was. It probably <laughs> was. I mean. Because it's like so final, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it was also because we live in Quebec, and so from my toute la la langue française, we have to be very, very careful and very mindful of how that's going to work. So it's not the infinity movement on paper; it is la mouvement infini. Um, so yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. What does that mean to you? What does it mean to you that 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 name? I mean. I believe that energy is one of those things that is not linear, like everything else, like time, um, like all of our stories, nothing happens in a straight line. There's always this rebounding um, back and forth and we pull from our past and it goes into our future. And then we have a moment here. And um, so everything that we are doing will affect what's happening in our next moment and our next moment is driven because of what happened last. So this idea of infinity and the space being that like what happens in the space doesn't stay in the space, the energy that I'm putting in to programming and curating the space and the music and coaching and teaching is going to land in people, but it doesn't stay in there. It's then going to go out into the rest of the world and it's going to continue to spread and spread and spread. And at some point it's going to come back to me um, because that's just the way that energy goes. And so for me, it's really important that we understand that. And so if I'm putting out um, a darker kind of energy, that is the energy that is going to go into my clients. That client is going to spread that energy out and, you know, just to be very mindful of what we're putting out there. Um, but for me, the infinity movement also isn't just a place for lifting weights. This is the first iteration of this project. And what it will grow into is something different. And that will be like in our next podcast. Um, yeah. But again, it's um, something that will continue to grow and evolve. Um, and it is truly a movement. It is, it is not stagnant. Um, none of us are. So, yeah. I want to talk to you um, a little bit about something that you took part in that involved a lot of movement. Um, <laughs> you know, I was super proud of you for for jumping into a challenge like that. And that's an endurance relay running thing, you know? 
And I mean, I, I remember having conversations with you about running and you're just like, dude, like how? Like, <laughs> so how'd you get roped? How'd you get roped into that one? Um, well, I don't, I'm pretty sure you know this, but I, I was one of the support staff. On yeah. This one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so one of the captains of the team, um, had reached out because she knew that I was captain fun and knows that like I could handle a lot of things and probably knew that I spent a lot of years not sleeping. And so, you know, it's 48 hours driving without a lot of rest. That's nothing in my life. Um, <laughs> that's fine. I could do that. Um, so yeah, she reached out and I thought it was such a cool invitation. I was really honored to have been asked and, um, it took, I think, maybe 17 minutes for me to think it over and be like, yes, thank you, I'm in. So, yeah, we did the speed project, and it was one of the most ridiculous adventures I've ever been on. <laughs> I mean, I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, basically, I was just told, like, you're showing up, you're driving, this is your role, we're going to do some fundraising. We had about two months from the time that I came on, maybe a little bit more. No, it was about two months. We had to get like fundraising. We did, we did a ton and they did a lot without me. Their planning, it was extensive. They did like four months of like ripping hair out planning. Um, they were amazing. They did, they did great. Um, and then we went out there and what I saw these runners do was like, it was hero shit right there. It was wild. And like, there were walls that were hit that these runners just crashed through. It was so cool. And I got a chance to like, just drive their asses around and, um, yeah, like kind of be glad that I was not the one running, but then also (laughs) be like, so jealous that I wasn't the one running. Um, so this year, um, I was like on the, the, the speed project WhatsApp group. And then they dropped that it's happening again. And, and I applied Uh and I'm going to run. So I got to run coach. Um, You know, since, since you and I have like lightly ran in Verdun back in the day or in Villemar, um, I did my first 10 K and that was like my first 10 K race. I won. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. I, Oh, I think I I saw it pop up on my feed recently. Super cool. Yeah. My age group and my gender. Incredible. Um, but also that's another thing is that it shows that there's a major gap in the system. Like I should not have won that race. But the fact that I was like the oldest non-binary person, I mean, again, I like, if I had been in any other gender category, I would have been crushed. <laughs> hey, did like, anyone else show up? No. I, a few show of them up? showed up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I showed up. There was other ones on there. I just, again, shouldn't have been the winner. Hey, but, you um, won, you won. No one's ever going to take that away from you. Exactly. I have that medal. It's hanging in my bedroom. I'm a champion. Boom. <laughs> um, I'm just saying that there, we could improve. We need more non-binary runners, non-binary runners out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I was going to run in... Um, either a half or a full marathon in the fall. But after my dog Dallas passed away at the beginning of the season, um, I listened to my body. And instead of pushing myself into a place where I wasn't ready to go, um, I took care of myself in a different way. So I chose not to 
train this summer and I was focusing on the studio and grieving and going through that process, which I'm glad I gave myself time for. I did it in the right way for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I saw that TSP was back, I mean, I've never ran this much in my life, Justin. I will be reaching out for like support (laughs) (laughs) and I'm so scared. But I'm so excited to do it. What are you learning? Um, what are you learning? I mean, you're you're a master of movement. You 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 love to move. You do a bunch of stuff. What's running teaching you? What's what's the what are the growing pains like? Running is teaching me that like injuries will be made known. Um, and so when they show up, take care of them. You know, like listen, listen to that because impact is a beautiful thing and it will show where cracks are. Um, and if you don't take care of those cracks, they will grow and grow and grow. And then you won't be able to do the thing that you want to do. So um, it's teaching me where to slow down, where to focus on my mobility. Um, it's teaching me that as strong as I am, I have some serious weaknesses, which I was like, oh, huh. Interesting. I thought that I had a very strong core. I thought my ass was super strong. <laughs> no, Heidi, No. Uh, I'm just really good at performing. Um, I mean, I, I'm strong, but I've got some compensations. So it's teaching me about um, the imbalances in my body. Um, it's also teaching me that habit forming is imperative. Without creating habits and without having a schedule, um, which is hard for someone like me because I go on the fly very, very well, um, that without that kind of habit forming and discipline it's not going to work out great so that's really good and it's something that in this this part of my life i'm i'm ready to apply myself to and bring in because everything else has worked really well with the methods that i've had and i want to do something different so i can't do the same things that i've been doing to try to get something different Mm-hmm. I got to try something different. Yeah. And, um, so good. Yeah. I mean, you, you, we have to force ourselves out of the box because you just keep doing the same thing over and over again. You're not going to reach that next, next level, you know? Um, yeah. And you see that in training, you see that in different sports, you have to continuously like challenge yourself and incorporate different types of training or strength work or mobility, like you're saying, um, even a, so, your perfect example, someone strong like you, you do the strength work, but still <laughs> there's something that's missing somewhere, you know? So, Absolutely. Yeah. And running and running for that long is so different than what I do. And like, man, to think that I'm going to be doing the same thing for the rest of my life. I mean, I'm 44, but I'm probably going to live a long, long time. I'm not going to be doing this kind of stuff forever. I have to get better at learning new things. I have to get better at shifting because if I don't get better at that, at some point I'm not going to be able to do this stuff. And if I'm not good at shifting, I'm going to be very, very disappointed. We already talked about that in this podcast. So I got to get good at new things. Yeah. I got to get really good at new things. Um, Also as a coach, you know, I'm never going to be, or I say this, my intention has never been to be like a run specific run coach. Um, I'm much more of a, like a very general strength and conditioning coach and especially, you know, you know, for a more general health, but I would love, I want to have the experience of going through this because I have people now like from my community and otherwise that ask me a lot of questions about running because they think I'm a pro runner, which I'm like, I'm not a pro runner. 
<laughs> like, I don't know. I don't for, know. In their <laughs> eyes, you know. Yeah. So they're seeing that. What, what are some of the questions you're getting? What are like? I know. I know. They, they ask me a lot about like heel striking. I'm like, uh-huh. I don't know about heel striking. Uh-huh. I'm like, some people do it and some people don't. Right. I mean. You got to figure out what feels right in you, but you should get a rent coach to work that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I have uh, people talking about like um, heart rate training, and I know a little bit about that. I'm like, well, you got to get yourself a watch. Get, yeah. We'll get a watch and then come and talk to me about that. But, you know, um, so like I understand little bits here and there, but they ask, yeah, heel striking, heart rate training. Um, am I supposed to have stability in my spine? Am I supposed to have movement in my spine? Am I supposed to pump my arms? Am I supposed to keep them loose? Um, what about my neck? Uh, how about my forward lean? Um, am I supposed to, um, how about my kickback? And I'm like, I don't know. Are you sprinting? Are you doing long distance? They're mm-hmm. like, does it make a difference? Yes. Um, so I'm learning a little bit along the way, yeah. but have I should you... probably reach out to you more. I anytime, anytime. Thanks. Thanks. Um, but yeah, that all, that all changes over time you know the more you do it the stronger your body gets you do start incorporating some speed your, your body adapts you do drills all these things help you just makes you more efficient and um yeah the heel striking thing you know they say you should fall on your balls on the balls of your feet but you know some of the best runners in the world heel strike so who am i you know i mean i've seen some people run with their knees knocking inwards and i'm yeah. like Oh my God. But you know what? They're fine. (laughs) Yeah. It's what their body does. Yeah. That's what their body does. And that's one of the things about like the infinity movement and like inclusive training and meeting people where they're at is that I've started to understand that some people's knees are going to knock in. Even if someone says, well, at some point that's going to break them. You know what? I don't know. I don't know if it is. I think that they're fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they've been doing it for 60 years. Bad, the big thing is it's bad for your knees. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad, but... I, I know alignment is important. Um, yes. Fuck, they're doing it. Exactly. They're doing it, though. So you'll yeah. do it in a relay format, uh, TSP? Is that going to be yeah. same team, different team? What's the... Different team. Yeah, okay, cool. Cool. And what was the, maybe what was the biggest thing that uh, surprised you about that event, you know, as a, maybe an outsider from an outside perspective, you know, when you're in it, it's a bit different, but watching it, what's the whole, like, it's something on my bucket list. Maybe I'll do it one day. Who knows? But, you know, you're running from LA to Vegas, relay style. Non-stop through, yeah, through desert and you get to pick your own path and there's, unsanctioned there's no spectators there's no rules um as an event it it and i share very similar values i mean it was about showing up as you are um and giving it your all being the best version that you are so that the people that you are in connection with don't have to take care of you and they could take care of themselves um because everyone is doing their very best out there (laughs) and it's really hard i mean it is soul crushing body breaking hard um so so yeah if um i mean i i really only had the experience of my own team 
I heard a little bit about other teams and their experiences. So I, I can't really speak too much on other people's and like from the outside, it might look like one team is flowing really beautifully and you know, they're, but we don't really know. Mm -hmm. And um, depending on what aspect I was looking at my own team, there were some things that were like really challenging and shifted the path of a number of different relationships forever and ever. Um, And in other instances, it, it was like incredibly supportive and really expansive and shifted those relationships on a path forever and ever. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it was really um, what, what I learned, what, what I, what I knew before and became even more apparent in this lived experience is that community is community. That means that there needs to be shared leadership. There needs to be transparency in communication there needs to be a really high level of humility and there is zero space for ego and pride. Um, and that's hard. Period. Love that. <laughs> well said. Heidi, what would you say movement has given to your life? Movement has given to my life. Uh, good question. I mean, we grow with the right amount of stress, our bodies, our brains, our spirits, our, our, our hearts, everything grows with only the right amount of stress. It can't be too much and it can't be too little, um, but we need it. So if we can get used to the discomfort and the challenges that come with stress, the right kind of stress and knowing the difference between stress and pain, then as we said earlier, sky's the limit. Um, so movement for me has shown me that I could endure a, a shit ton of pain and that has hurt me. I can go through so much pain physically. I could go through so much pain emotionally and spiritually. I can do it. Um, and it's broken me. It's broken me down. It hasn't been helpful. Um, but on the other side of a lot of it, I now understand the difference between pain and discomfort and discomfort sucks. (laughs) but it's different than pain. Um, and for me, I know that I can endure just as much discomfort as I can pain. And for me to learn the difference between the two is on me. It is my responsibility, but because I know that I can handle a ton, what I'm capable of in every arena of my life is huge. And so movement for me has helped me to understand that I am capable of anything. And I still have my moments of feeling inadequate. Um, I still have my moments of feeling like an imposter. I'm still very much a living, breathing, bleeding human being. Um, But when it comes down to it, and I think about all the things that I've been able to go through and what it's brought me, I mean, nothing is ever going to be as bad as it was. The worst stuff that's happened to me hasn't killed me. It's only helped me to learn. It's only helped me to grow. And because of all that, I'm a pretty fucking awesome human (laughs) that's capable of all kinds of really cool stuff. So movement has, has given me access to other humans, incredible experiences, 
a ton of fun, so much adventure and endless amounts of learning. Um, I never went to university. I didn't have that kind of education. My university, my education is happening now. And uh, yeah, I'm getting my thesis. Getting my PhD. <laughs> I'm defending my thesis Dr. right now. I'm, Dr. Uh, yeah, you, can, you can call me doctor. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, we haven't had the same path, but it's amazing when you look back at the shittiest moments of your life, like the real gutter of what we've gone through, you know, everyone's different. Everyone goes through stuff, but we all have those moments where we say that that was the worst thing that could have ever possibly happened. And, and when we look back, it's, it's, it may be a situation where we didn't think we could get out, but somehow we, somehow we do, you know, where you don't know how you will get out, but somehow you do. And I think that's, it's it's special to come out of and and to learn from that so you don't make those repeat those uh, mistakes and you can grow so i resonate with yeah. what you just said there and um yeah, yeah you're, you're a special human heidi uh i i connected with you immediately when when i first met you and we, like nothing but good vibes and good chats with you all always um always. where can people find you you know where can they reach out yeah. Um, Obviously on the, the Instagram, yeah, on the ground. yeah. Like if you're if you're on the internet, Instagram, um, sweatmtl, s w e a t m t l. That's me. Um, or the underscore infinity underscore movement on Instagram. Um, there's like a Facebook situation, or yeah, Facebook, but I'm not really on there. I hate it. Um, I mean, I love it. It's important. Um, <laughs> There's an email, there's a website. You can also come to the physical space um, in Verdun, Quebec, Canada. Um, and I'd be really happy to hold space and meet any of the people that are listening, that that tune in to you, Justin. You are golden and anyone connected to you, um, I love already. Oh, thanks so yeah. much. Thank you so yeah. much. And thanks for taking the time again out of your busy day. I know you're super busy with the studio and everything, but I'm, I'm so grateful we got a chance to catch up and, and share a bit of, more about you. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share. And it's just so nice to catch up. It's been so long. I miss yeah. your face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really do. I really do. And, and now that I'm actually like a runner, we could go for a jog sometime. <laughs> Come to Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, I love Switzerland. Anytime. anytime. Sweet. All right, Sweet. Heidi, take care of yourself. Thank you, Justin. I love you. Love you too. Bye-bye. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Just In Stride podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen, and I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Please take a minute after this to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. With your feedback, we'll be able to make the show even better, and it'll help us reach new listeners too. You can also find us on Instagram at JustinStridePod for all the latest episodes and updates. Of course, this show wouldn't be possible without a solid team behind me, with logo and design by Vanessa Pugliese, as well as audio, music, and editing by Forrest McKay. A huge thank you goes out to both of them. Guest outreach, social media, writing, and advertising are handled by me, your host, Justin Pugliese. Finally, we'd like to thank you, our listeners, for coming along for the ride with Justin Stride.